This episode of the Outside Podcast is brought to you by Adidas and the new Terex Freehiker, a shoe built to go from trail to city and back again, kind of like Maya French. My name is Maya French. I am a young entrepreneur under the age of 30 who's a trailblazer in the natural food industry. Maya is the co-founder of a post-workout drink called Koya. It's plant-based and dairy-free. But through the process of making that drink, she's been on a journey from city kid to discovering the outdoors. So I, I grew up in the south side of Chicago, which was a concrete jungle. Um, I lived in a food desert where the nearest grocery store is probably a mile or two out, definitely not walking distance. In Chicago, Maya was overweight, eating junk food, and not doing anything active. But when she found out she was lactose intolerant, she completely changed her diet and started exercising. She lost 25 pounds in a year. But you're very limited when you live in Chicago. So I was basically just going to the gym and you know doing activities indoors. Then after Koya got off the ground, she moved to LA to grow the business and discovered hiking. I learned about Griffith Park and Santa Monica Mountains and just seeing the different terrains, I really felt like that was that was my calling to really be outdoors and tie that into my lifestyle and brand. And also being an African-American female uh, from Chicago, you really don't see us often in the wild. When Maya started, she didn't know what she was doing in the outdoors. Now, she's a role model for people who want to feel just at home on a hike as in the city. At the very least, she can recommend a shoe that works for both. I love to go to brunch after I hike. Uh, so, you know, throwing on some jeans or keeping on my leggings and still looking pretty cool, I think that's awesome. It helps out with the streetwear style. Find out more about the free hiker at adidas.com slash Terex. That's T-E-R-R-E-X. Everybody, before we get started, I want to remind you about an event that Outside is bringing to Chicago this summer. It's called the Outside Experience, and it's happening July 13th and 14th. We'll have climbing walls, running groups, bike demo courses, paddling on Lake Michigan, and more. Whether you're a seasoned athlete or looking to try something new, come by, grab a craft beer, and watch some great adventure filmmaking. Or check out some live music. Or presentations by travel guru Kelly Edwards and polar adventurer Eric Larson. To get $5 off tickets, visit OutsideExperienceShow.com and use the promo code OUTSIDEPODCAST. From Outside Magazine and PRX, these are Dispatches. Stories from our writers in the field. In our first episode of the series that we're calling The Nature Cure, we heard from digital minimalism author Cal Newport about why we need to rebuild our relationship with technology and learn to put down our phones, pull out our earbuds, and listen to the birds. Newport put a spotlight on the downside of our always-on modern lifestyles, and proposed a more thoughtful way that we can all move forward. Basically, when you're bored, find something else to do besides looking at your phone. So in this episode, we're taking things a step further, looking at what actually happens when you immerse yourself in nature. And to do that, I want to introduce you to a new podcast called The Wild. It's hosted by ecologist Chris Morgan, and about six years ago, Morgan was sitting in a doctor's waiting room. A copy of Outside's December 2012 issue was on the table. Morgan picked it up and began to read the cover story, Take Two Hours of Pine Forest and Call Me in the Morning. The article was written by Florence Williams, 
and it explored the scientific basis for something Morgan had felt intuitively all his life, that being in nature is inherently healing and leaves us feeling more alert, alive, and content. The article fascinated him so much that after his appointment, Morgan sat back down in the waiting room, spent another 45 minutes finishing it. What he read stuck with him, and ever since, he's wanted to have his own guided nature therapy session, and also to sit down with Florence to talk about what really happens to us when we venture deep into green spaces. Recently, he did both. And so today we bring you A Walk in the Woods, an episode from The Wild podcast, in which Chris goes forest bathing in the Pacific Northwest, then talks to Florence Williams and asks her, what happened to me out there? Here's Chris. Modern life, it demands our attention. What's happening on the American border? Political groups in Lebanon. There's a constant noisy flood of information. The Mueller report is stock slumping again as the heat turns. Our jobs never seem to end. I, I work for myself. I have a lot of different projects and I love them all, but it can be stressful. There's constant phone calls and texts and messages from my producer badgering me for script updates. <laughs> and even life outside of work seems to be more hectic these days. It can all be too much sometimes, you know, the noise in our lives. So that's why I come to this place a lot, my forest. It's only about a 15 minute drive from my office. So I'm, I'm on this hiking trail, it's a three mile loop and it takes me about 60 minutes to hike, but sometimes a lot longer. It's really peaceful. This trail, it's special to me. It's my escape from everything and everybody that, that demands my time. My mates sometimes ask me if they can join me and I say, nope, sorry, this is where I get into the zone. <laughs> Even my producer's only here because he's the guy with the microphone, right Matt? <laughs> he nods. <laughs> this place, it's always reminded me of, of something that the famous naturalist John Muir once said. His quote was, thousands of tired, nerve-shaken, over-civilized people are beginning to find out that going into the mountains is going home, that wildness is a necessity. I love that. And it, it wasn't written this decade or even this century. He wrote that in 1901. Imagine what he'd make of today's world. That article, the one I read in the doctor's office, was a total page turner. One of the things it talked about was the Japanese concept of Shinrin-yoku, which literally translates into forest bathing. The Japanese actually came up with the term only in 1982, but the ideas around Shinrin-yoku are much older than that. They're inspired by ancient Shinto and Buddhist practices. There's this harrowing Japanese term, karoshi, which literally means death by overwork. And it was getting so bad that the government wanted a way to encourage their stressed out citizens to, to take a walk in the woods, to relax more. There are even official forest therapy hiking trails in Japan. They take this stuff really seriously. So I wanted to learn more about this forest bathing. So short of jumping on a plane to Japan, I found a local forest bathing therapist. This is the Pacific Northwest after all. And the therapist's name is Julie, Julie Hepp. I am a certified forest therapy guide through the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy. Julie goes by the pronoun they. I meet up with them in, in a small forest on Bainbridge Island, just west of downtown Seattle. And before our actual forest therapy session gets started, we get onto the topic of local birds. Julie suddenly belts out the best barred owl call for me. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> Who 
who sews for you? What is it? Who cooks for who? Who cooks for who? Who cooks, who cooks for who? Who cooks for who? That's how they describe <laughs> the Vardal. Julie's type of forest therapy is inspired by these ideas of Shinrin-yoku. They believe that this practice is based on old foundations, but it's kind of a new awakening of this ancient idea. I mean, forest therapy really is a way to build connection and reciprocity, meaning really just connection and interaction and sort of ways to show gratitude. Julie told me about an experience they had while training to become a forest therapist. In the forest where we were, there were oak trees, which I consider one of one of my soul trees. Mm. I feel like I can talk to them easier than perhaps other trees because I grew up <laughs> with them. The same language right? as we the oak. speak the same. Oak. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? we know we know each other. Julie had been thinking a lot about questions around their identity at the time. And then I, I asked the tree, "Am I going to be okay with all these things that I'm wondering and yeah. um, about and with?" And I, I heard, in some capacity, just or felt, heard and felt perhaps, just like an overwhelming sense of love from this being, and just felt like I heard like, yes, yes. Julie's going to walk me through a, a regular forest therapy session. They say it should allow all my senses to take in this forest. I'm honestly not quite sure what to expect. The experience is up to you. I'm just here to open up the door. I see. It's like a shrink session in some ways. Mm, kind of, yeah. I like that analogy a little bit. Yeah. So um, this space that we're in right now, uh, I have... for this? Oh, yeah. Human, human creation <laughs> yeah. flying over. I mean, over. <laughs> that's important too. Everything moves and yeah. it's for a reason. There they are. Hi, friends. Uh, yeah. So I think me touching different we'll just, things. Let's is... wait for this guy to go sure. over. Yeah, because we won't be able to use it. <laughs> we want to feel like we're in the woods without. Yeah, I mean, as much as possible. Yeah. The plane doesn't seem to bother Julie at all. Then we begin the session. And so. Just to start us off, I want to invite you just to notice all these different beings that are around us today. We're facing each other, standing about six feet apart. Uh, Next, I'm going to invite you to go ahead and close your eyes if you feel invited to do so. And again, taking a couple deep breaths in. Julie starts to give me instructions to kind of engage all my senses with the world around me, and I'm totally in. Julie asks me to pay special attention to what I smell, and we'd literally pick up dirt off the forest floor so we can feel the forest. Julie even invites me to open my mouth so I can taste the forest too. Opening up your mouth in different directions and closing it slowly, tasting different places. Perhaps you're feeling a little playful and want to stick your tongue in. I feel a bit ridiculous standing there, mouth open, tongue out, trying to taste the forest, trying not to laugh. But it also gets me thinking. Julie goes on. Taking a moment to imagine almost as if you were a tree. Invite yourself to perhaps grow roots into this ground. The therapy steps continue, but I'm finding it hard to concentrate. 
There's a noise from a nearby road and construction work that really doesn't help. And I would like to invite you to open your eyes slowly, carefully, and then to acknowledge this thing, whatever it is, whatever it might be, as if it was your first time seeing it or knowing it. Whenever you're ready, may you open up your eyes. I open my eyes and right behind me is this giant fir tree. It was like seeing an old friend you haven't seen in years. And Julie invites me to talk about what else I've noticed about my surroundings. I'm noticing how loud human beings are <laughs> and how I'm trying to block it out. And I was drawn to that direction over there because it was away from the sounds of people and it was nice, it was calming. Never turn off the human noise. You, that's okay. You, that's something <laughs> you've made me think about. I have a hard time with that. It kind of, mm. it ruins it. Whenever I go into the woods, I want somewhere silent, away from any human sound, even a dog barking that we could hear there. And you've made me think differently about it. And immediately, as soon as we're on this trail, you were like, no, that's part of it. Even a plane flying over, you know, it's part of it. They're other okay. beings, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, true. it's a different way of looking at it. Welcome to Forest Therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... so interesting to see it in practice. You know, experiencing this with Julie was definitely one way of approaching time of nature. It gave me some things to think about, even though it was a little bit sedentary for me. It's almost like becoming a kid again. Being in and around nature gives us that sense of wonder. But it still made me wonder, what's really going on? What's really going on with our minds and even our bodies when we experience the outdoors? We'll look at scientific evidence that shows time spent in nature can actually physically improve your health in some pretty incredible ways. We'll get into that after the break. We'll be right back after this break. Hey everybody, so earlier we heard about Maya French and the Terex Freehiker from Adidas. And if you talk to anyone about the Freehiker, or if you put them on your feet, the first thing you're going to notice is how comfortable they are. But when you're on a path like Maya's, that has you constantly pushing your boundaries in the outdoors, comfort is actually kind of a multifaceted thing. It's not just about how your feet feel. And then the other thing I read is that you are uh, going to learn to swim, or, or are learning to swim. Yes. And I'm just curious, how's that going? Uh, it's going well. I just left Israel and I tried floating in a dead sea, which also helped me do a little paddling without worrying about drowning. So baby steps, baby steps with everything. Maya says that the process of learning to swim or do anything outside is about pushing just past the point where you start to feel uncomfortable and then backing off over and over again, pushing a little further each time. So some things that I've tried have been jumping in Lake Michigan uh, off of a yacht and just kind of floating there until I got too afraid to really be in deep water. Uh, another thing that I often do is paddleboard, but with um, a life jacket, of course. <laughs> so getting comfortable in deep water uh, slowly, and then, of course, putting myself in a position where I can work on a technique without the fear of drowning. The free hikers aren't much help in the water. But she says what they do help with is feeling confident everywhere. So the shoes, uh, 
they not only provide a great style that makes me feel comfortable to wear them outside of the trails, but they also provide function. And for me, function ties into safety and it helps me feel confident to achieve new heights when I am out there, you know, on a hiking trail or, you know, climbing some ridiculous elevation and not worrying about, you know, am I going to slip and fall or am I going to be uncomfortable because I've fallen into water. So I think that's, you know, it's the perfect marriage of style and function. Find out more about the free hiker at adidas.com slash That's T-E-R-R-E-X. And now, back to Chris Morgan. The idea that spending time in nature or forest bathing makes us feel better might seem obvious, but I wanted to know how nature affects us physiologically. What is exposure to nature doing to us on a cellular level? I kept thinking about that Outside Magazine article, the one I read so many years ago in my doctor's waiting room, and it turns out the author, Florence Williams, has expanded that article into a book. It's called The Nature Fix. So I decided to get in touch with her. Hi, Florence. Hi, Chris. So I saw your book in the bookstore the other day, and I recognized your name, and I couldn't believe it because you wrote the article in Outside Magazine, and it, that article totally inspired my obsession with this subject. Wow, and, you're uh, kidding. Just, yeah, I mean, I Florence I... had a lot of the same questions as me, and she spent time in Tokyo observing researchers measuring the effects of nature on the body. So what they found is that even after, and this is sort of remarkable, after just 15 minutes of, you know, what they call forest bathing, even after just 15 minutes of that, they were finding this reduction in heart rate, a drop in blood pressure, um, drop in stress hormones like cortisol, some different wave, sort of brain wave patterns. And, you know, and when I first heard this, I was a little bit skeptical because I thought, well, sure, you know, people are just, they're outside and they're moving. Moving and getting a bit of exercise. That would make anybody feel better, right? But these Japanese researchers controlled for that by also sending people to walk around urban areas for the same mileage and the same amount of time. And they really only saw these sort of well-being effects in the forest walkers. So it was kind of intriguing to me. And and how are they actually measuring the the physiological changes? How are they measuring uh, cortisol, for example? So with the cortisol, um, they have these sort of very fat kind of Q-tips <laughs> that you suck on for a while. Uh, and they, you know, they get some saliva uh, in that and they can have that analyzed pretty quickly for cortisol levels. Um, and then there are other machines they use to mo- monitor things like heart rate variability. Um, and that measures actually sort of the difference between your heartbeats uh, and can tell how quickly you're responding to stress actually in real time. Um, and then, you know, basic pulse monitors. Um, there was a, a gizmolator that they, they can put on your head to measure some <laughs> some frontal cortex stuff. Um, but at the same time, they have these, you know, pretty well-established measures in the field of psychology that are just questionnaires. You know, how would you rate your sense of frustration right now? How would you rate your anxiety? How would you rate your, your sort of mood? And those are pretty well established. And, and what they find in, in those questionnaires is that it really seems to correlate, again, to this walk in nature, but not so much the walk in the middle of the city. One of the researchers in Japan looking into this idea of forest bathing is named Cheng Li. He's looking at how spending time in nature can improve our immune system and killer T cells. Killer T cells are really important for fighting things like cancer and various infections. Uh, and, and he's been specifically focused on um, these 
aerosols from the trees called phytoncides. And these are, you know, chemicals that are sort of emitted from trees. Um, I guess they're they're especially sort of potent and maybe useful from some of these evergreen trees that they have in Japan, like these hinoki cypress trees. Um, and it's a combination of these compounds like limonene um, that we that smell wonderful. They sort of smell like you know Christmas tree meets vapo rub. You know, is how <laughs> I describe it. It's a kind <laughs> nice. of invigorating smell when you go into the woods. Um, and what he's found is that after we're exposed to these you know special substances and compounds, we make more killer T cells actually boosts our immune cells. Um, and that boost is, is remains quite high for seven days after a visit to a forest. You'd be proud to know I've got a little vial of Hinoki cypress oil on my bedside table, <laughs> thanks thanks to you. <laughs> thanks to my I, I should have bought stock in Hinoki cypress oil. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not too late. Wow, a simple walk through the woods is actually increasing our immunity and may even help to fight cancer. Dr. Lee, who has been studying this, suggests that everybody should spend time outside at least once a week. You know, get that high boost in immune cells. But even just once a month might really help you out. And it's not just the phytoncides that we can benefit from in the woods. There's a lot of biodiversity in the forest, microbacteria. And Florence says this exposure to a variety of bacteria during a walk can be a good thing too. These are things that humans evolved with. We evolved with exposures to all these bacteria, and these bacteria may also help us fight, you know, sort of illness or fight kind of worse bacteria. Sort mm. of the more biodiversity we can expose ourselves to, um, the better. And that's that's part of this hygiene hypothesis. You know, where kids who grow up on farms or in rural areas um, have fewer um, cases of asthma and allergies and things like that. So I think that's right. another intriguing possibility. And I think you know the science isn't really totally totally resolved on this issue. There's still a lot to be done. This idea that nature is medicine may be starting to catch on. A few doctors, both in Japan and America, have already started to prescribe patients nature and time outside. And the research doesn't just stop at improving the health of our physical bodies. Nature can actually help us get along better. It can make us better people. So there's been some really interesting new work on the science of awe, A-W-E, awe, and that when we're in the presence of something sort of beautiful and mysterious, you know, like an incredible sunset, um, you know, looking at a mountaintop, or even just something as simple as, you know, a butterfly kind of surprising us, right, in our path, it pulls us out of our own heads and makes us feel like we're part of something larger, which, you know, seems like a sort of obvious thing to say, but it turns out that that, 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 concept of being pulled out of ourselves is really, really important to our sense of well-being and to our psychology. And, and if you think about it, it's not something that we really experience very often in these lives, you know, where we live sort of isolated and indoors. You know, maybe we see a cool video, you know, on Facebook or something. <laughs> but in general, we're not exposed to the kind of awe found in nature that, that we were, you know, in a more primitive life when we really lived outside. So I was really interested in exploring this idea of how, um, in some ways, wilderness is actually good for civilization, because it makes us feel like we are part of a community, that we have a responsibility to each other. Um, and, and studies have shown this, that, that even in a lab, after looking at photographs of like a waterfall 
or of a whale, that we behave in ways that are more generous to other people. You know, there are certain ways that that the researchers have of measuring sort of altruism. Um, And it seems like it's really partly impacted by this feeling of awe. After my conversation with Florence Williams, I, I have a greater appreciation for Julie Hepp, the forest bather. Maybe smelling the dirt and tasting the forest isn't such a crazy idea. And for Julie, spending time in nature is a religious experience. I feel like the, the forest is my church in a little bit of a way. You know, I come here to, you know, pay honor or worship, whatever you want to call it, the the beings that are there and commune with them and learn with them. I feel like that that's sort of a religious practice. Um, I can I relate feel, to that. Yeah. I, uh, I have a forest that I go on regularly near home, and um, that's the way I feel about it. It's my cathedral I'm walking into. And I'm here now in my cathedral, in my happy place in the woods. It's nature that connects us all, every one of us. It's nature we're from. You know, we were wild, and there's a big part of us that I think still is wild, a bigger part than we might imagine in this crazy world we've built around ourselves. Scratch away at the surface, and we're all just hairless apes after all. But I'm hoping that even us hairless apes remember that nature can change us, and it can change society for the better. And in return, Society should take care of nature too. What a great relationship that could be. And perhaps it all just starts with a walk in the woods. That's Chris Morgan, host of the new podcast, The Wild, from KUOW in Seattle. This episode was produced by Matt Martin and edited by Jim Gates. Brendan Sweeney is the Wild's executive producer. Fact-checking by April Craig. Engineering by David Brown. The Outside Podcast team is Robbie Carver, Michael Roberts, and me, Peter Frickwright. This episode was brought to you by Adidas and the all-new Terex Freehiker. Designed for thru-hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, but stylish enough to wear around town. It's also the perfect shoe for forest bathing. The Outside Podcast is a production of Outside Magazine and PRX. We'll be back next week.